When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Saturday, December 30th. Before we enter the new year, we've got a few more things to take care of here on this podcast as it's time to offer our predictions for how we see the 2024 season playing out. Of course, if you tuned into this podcast yesterday, you know my dear friend Ben Rothenberg joined us to offer our predictions for the top 10 American men to end. 2024 on today's podcast. We're undertaking the exact same exercise, only this time we are talking about a loaded class of American women all preparing to take the tour by storm in 2024. Again, right now, the depth in American women's tennis from top to bottom, not just golf and Pagula at the top, but again, all of these players ages 18, 19, 20, 21, continuing to send up the WTA rankings, they are all extraordinarily talented. And the most difficult part of this exercise is trying to decide which players will ultimately be the ones that secure those breakthrough moments that find themselves in a position to end as a top 10 American. Thus, again, this is a fascinating conversation with our dear friend, podcaster, author, All things tennis, Ben Rothenberg, who joins me for a third consecutive day here on this podcast. And by the way, one of our conversations was regarding the American when this conversation regarding the American women. I think I said American when the first one, the American men, the second one, the American women. We also took the time to discuss his new book, Naomi Osaka, her journey to finding her power and her voice. It is a must read, in my opinion, for all tennis fans in 2024. So if you haven't already, go pre-order the book. Make sure you secure your copy, as I promise it's something you will not want to miss. That said, The other thing I know you're all not going to want to miss, my conversation with Ben Rothenberg today. So before we get to predicting the American women, of course, a shout out to all of you listeners who tuned in day in, day out, made 2023 our most listened to year in history in terms of our Crack Rackets podcast. Obviously, that's something we hope to continue to build upon in 2024. And again, we appreciate all of you who tune in day in, day out, who trust us as your source of information for all things happening in the tennis world. We do not take that trust light. We look forward to continuing to build upon that trust and continuing to build upon our content as we move into a new season. A thank you to you for trusting us, for tuning in day in, day out. A thank you, of course, as well to the support we get from our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. But with that said, let's get to it. Let's predict our top 10 American women coming out of the 2024 season with the one and only Ben Rothenberg. Joining us on the podcast once again today to help offer our predictions for who the top 10 American women will be come the ending of the 20- 
2024 season is a man we all know best at this point as author, podcaster, and CR's dearest friend. Of course, I call him my podcasting big brother, a fellow Wolverine, our dearest friend, Ben Rothenberg. Back once again, Ben, welcome back to the show. It's three straight days of Crack Rackets podcast for you. Now, do you understand why we pod so frequently? No, but uh, but I appreciate you having me three times in a row. I'm glad it's been fun to be here to visit your your. And I know I'm only getting a sampling of your daily workload. I mean, you are the prolificness is is wild. Uh, so yes, good work. We're both wearing our, our Michigan hoodies today. Uh, big day for the Wolverines coming up soon. So go blue, etc. And go American women's tennis. A, we are, uh, yeah, we are recording this Saturday. Thing. December 30th. It's a tangent, but it's maybe the quote of the day. Jim Harbaugh at today's press conference. If Jesus was a football recruit, he'd be a five star. I mean, that's just a great line. Like, I love my favorite line I've ever heard from any coach ever. I meant to tell you this before we started recording, but hey, the red dot's flashing, so I'll let you know now. Dabo Sweeney, who's the head coach of Clemson, was asked about NIL and how it relates to his program. And he said, here at Clemson, we're built in God's name, image, and likeness. And I just, that's my motto for life now. When people ask me, what's it like for you? I mean, man, I'm built in God's name, image, and likeness. So yes, it was a coincidental, we are matching in our Michigan gear, but of course, we will be ready to support the Wolverines on New Year's Day. We hope all of you podcast listeners will do so as well. And remember, keep on tweeting at us at Ben Rothenberg, at Al Gruskin, hashtag Ben, keep your mustache. If you know what that is alluding to, you've been listening along with us these past two days. But again, why did we have Ben here back for part three? Well, it's certainly not to discuss this time his book, Naomi Osaka, Her Journey to Finding Her Power and Her Voice. You can check out that podcast, of course, on all of our various podcasts podcast platforms. Be sure to buy that as it's released, what, 10 days, I believe, from today's the official release? Just 10 days. Yeah. January 9th. That's right. I stocked the Twitter before we got on today's show. Don't you worry about that, Ben. So make sure you go pick up your copy if you want to hear more about that book, both the pros and the cons, because we get into all of it. Be sure to check out that podcast conversation as well. I'll be honest, it was one of my favorites we did throughout the month of December. But today, again, we are back to our third annual tradition of predicting our top 10 American men and women and uh at the end of the subsequent approaching season. It was funny, just one other quick tangent here. I was looking through last year's podcast to go get our list so that we'd be able to grade ourselves, and we're going to go over our lists here in a second. But I noticed in my description to last year's American Women's Podcast that on that show, we also discussed day one of United Cup. And for what it's worth, we just finished day two of United Cup. I really like the event, Ben, and it's helped to have some really good players playing these first two days, whether it's the Egas, the Caspers, the Hercotses, the, you know, the Nori Demon Hour match was actually a really fun opener on night number one. But most notably to me, how good did Angelique Kerber look after a year away from tour? Just felt like hand was in the glove and pick things up right where she uh, left off. I really enjoy this event, Ben. What say you? Well, first of all, I enjoy it even more this year. It's streamlined, right? So this year, it's a really a much more pure Hotman Cup format where it's just the one men's singles, one women's singles in the mix. Last year, they had the two of each singles, and that was bloated, especially get some of these teams. Like, I'm sorry, we don't need to see the Norwegian number two in men's or women's singles right now on court. Honestly, we don't. Fair. And so and so that as a good edit 
I appreciate the edit. I think it's a much better format. Having the ties only last one day also. Like, it's just a better deal. So, uh, yes, I, I think it's back better. I would love to even just see it go, honestly, all the way back to pure Hotman Cup, what it was just in Perth even, or just in Sydney, if need be, the sort of spanning the continent, multiple sites, and I think it could be even tighter. But I think it's good. I think it's good. And I also love that Brisbane is back. We, you know, Brisbane, Brisbane one of my favorite tournaments of the year. I've been to Brisbane many times. Uh, it's a great, smaller stadium, but great venue, packs out really well. Great support for men's and women's tennis. They've got some great fields for the 250 for the men over the years and the 500 for the women. Uh, not there, having some FOMO for Brisbane this year. Admittedly, there's some really cool things happening in Brisbane with Nadal and Osaka both coming back to the competition there. So it's a, a bigger draw for the women, which I don't totally understand the point of. It's a four, it's a 48 draw instead of a 32. But, you know, say lovey. Yeah, it's a big opening week. Again, Rafa's making his return. Naomi's making her return. Kerber's making her return. And yep. everyone's making their return to professional tennis life. You used the perfect word there, streamlined. I do like the fact, and I've said this about Davis Cup as well, why spread the drama out over two days when you can maximize the drama, maximize the drama in the course of one? And again, sudden death doubles is my favorite sort of doubles. When it's all on the line, when it's a one-all tie, and again, it comes down to that mixed as it did last night in Germany versus Italy. Sign me up for all of that. I'm fine that they're spanning cities. Let's span the love. Australia is not that big of a continent. And so, again, I don't mind it uh, being dispersed around there as we kick off the season. But that's enough United Cup. We'll focus on that again as we move throughout the course of the week here on the Mini Break Podcast. For now, before we hit 2024 officially on the calendar, let's offer our final few predictions for that season. And again, on this podcast, we're talking top 10 American women to end 2024. Much as we did yesterday with the men, let's recap our predictions from last year. And now I'm going to be honest, Ben. It's no bueno. Not really. It's certainly from my end, not my finest piece of work. I'm going to be honest, on your end, I think you have done better historically as well. And for those of you curious, who were the top 10 women in American women's tennis to end the season? Well, let the record show we had 17 top 100 American women to end the year. I do think more broadly, 10,000 foot view, really good year for American women's tennis. And of course, we recapped that earlier in the month. So if you want to go here, 2023 report cards, you can go check out that earlier episode. But your top 10 to end the 2023 season as it relates to the American women you had at number three in the rankings overall, Coco Goff, number five in the year-end rankings, Jessica Pagula, number 12 in the year-end rankings, Madison Keys. Those are your top three Americans. They all played a pretty significant role in every major event we saw throughout the course of the season. Obviously, Goff winning in New York, of all places, her first major. A massive moment for American women's tennis. A foundational block to build forward with uh, throughout the rest of the decade. But even beyond that, what you had to love throughout the course of the year was the rise, perhaps, of some unexpected younger players who may be a part of our lives the next half decade. Certainly, your fourth highest ranked American to end the year at number 32, Emma Navarro, the former NCAA singles champion, who I was certainly high on coming out of her college career. Did I think she was going to get up to 32 as quickly as she did? I did not. I said this in the report card fashion. I thought her rise in the rankings was actually more impressive than what Ben Shelton has done in the similar stretch of time because it was more gradual than his massive, massive leaps with the big slam results. But 
Emma was your fourth highest ranked American woman. I want to be clear, neither Ben nor I had her in our top 10. We also ditched Sophia Kennan, who with a big run in San Diego and a really strong finish to end her season, she's back up to number 33 in the world. This is a former slam champion, former top 10 player in the world who's dealt with so many weird things since that massive 2020 campaign. And honest to God, I think I excluded her from last year's list because you intimidated me after having her number one the year before. So I blame you for her exclusion more than anything else. Uh, blame yourself. Side. Blame yeah, yourself. I know. You put I her number one the year before and it was wildly wrong. I got so, confidence you, you, in my you, convictions. You burned yourself. You know, it's fine. It's You're fine. right. Confidence in the convictions. I got to double back down on myself. You know, a wise man once said, this wise man was my roommate. If you're going to bet on someone, bet on me. I'm not going to tell you what that was alluding to, but it was very funny. Anyways, should have bet on myself. She certainly did. She's back in the mix. 33 in the world. Fifth highest ranked American. Caroline Dalahide, the big run at the 1000 level event in Mexico to end the year. She's at a career high 44. Again, only 25 years old. After that, you've got Sloane Stevens, your seventh highest ranked American at 47. Peyton Stearns, another NCAA champion. 18 months to get to the top 50. She's at number 49. You've got Danielle Collins as your ninth highest ranked American. She's number 52. And rounding out the list is Bernarda Pera at number 65. Here, Ben, are the names I got correct from that list of names. I had Goff, who I had at two. She ends up finishing one. I had Pagula at four. She finishes second. I had Keys, who finished third at fifth. And then I snuck in Sloane Stevens at my number eight spot. She ultimately finishes seventh. I got just four at the top 10 Americans, right? That's Tough no game. Yeah, Tough game. No bueno. Now, credit to you. You got Goff at one. You were correct. You had Pagula at two. You were correct. You had Keys at four, just off there, but that's another one. Sloan Stevens was your sixth. She finished seventh. Ben, you only beat me by one name. You only got four of 10, as we looked at last year. And I guess, to start as we reflect, it's very, like, Dalahide. Navarro, Stern-centric. Like, that's where we whiffed because there are some names. We both had Parks. She's not that much further down the list. I think she finished yeah. 14th overall. You had Townsend at uh, number 7. She finished 12th overall. So, again, directionally, your list, you beat me. Like, I'm not even going to try Clearly, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> okay. Clearly, relax. Uh, but you did win. Uh, what did we get wrong? Why was this the case? Some weird stuff happened, honestly. And this, I was talking about this in the report card. I'll talk about this when we get these individual players. I, I was on, as you famously know, I was on book hiatus, leave, work, sabbatical, whatever you want to call it, for a lot of this year. So Here I wasn't traveling. No, but I wasn't traveling. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about yeah. for even just the report card. We talked yeah. about this then. So I didn't see a ton of these players who burst their way into the top fifty, even of of the women's game. I mean, I've seen. I've known Dolahide for years because she's been around. Uh, and so I've, I've seen a bunch of her and seen her in qualities. I knew her sister back. I interviewed her sister back in the day at the Bronx Challenger, Courtney Dalahai. Shout out to her. Uh, I, you know, so I I knew about her a bit and know her game and, and seen her play doubles and stuff as well. But Navarro and, and Stearns, certainly on this list, really came came obviously out of college, not out of nowhere. But on a pro level, uh, I didn't think they would do this. And obviously you didn't have either of them either on, on your list. So they exceeded expectations. And. Navarro, we'll get to Navarro especially. I think Navarro figuring out where she lands next year is there's a few tricky players on this list for sure. Almost everyone's tricky in their own way. Uh, but uh, Navarro, I'm interested to see what you do with her because I, 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 she was one of the ones I had to like think about a while. Like, where do I think her? Altitude is going to go from here. 1,000%. My biggest whiff, I'm just going to say it off the top. I had Anisimova number one. Now, 
in terms of why I took that swing, I actually like I'm, I'm fine with my reasoning. I'm fine with my logic. She dealt so with two out of, so two out of three years. Your number one doesn't make doesn't make the the list. Not only doesn't make the top no, 10, two for two years. This is only the third time. So both times, yeah, you had a number one who hasn't made the top ten. But look, but both times extenuating stuff happened. Like 100%. I I don't I don't hate the Anisimova pick. I don't like I, Anisimova. Another tricky person for putting on this year's next year's list. So 100%. it's a tricky game. It's, it's tough. It's tough doing this. I actually think my and, biggest. And there's a lot. And there's a lot of there's a lot more characters on the on the on the chessboard for the women and the men even. A hundred percent. I also think my biggest yeah. whiff was Ann Lee at ten. Like I actually feel worse about having Ann Lee at ten given the disappointing season she had. By the way, your ten was Robin Montgomery. Again, ten is for S's and G's, as the kids like to say, shit and giggles. And so like I loved your ten. I had no problem with it in the we get moment. Started, can we get to number ten? Can we get started? Can we get my well, number ten right now? No, the reason just quickly why I want to say okay. again, why the Navarro, the Stearns, even for someone like me who I like to think I'm as attuned to the college tennis world as anyone in the globe, not just anyone on this podcast. They were playing 25Ks in Florida in the month of January, right. Emma Navarro and Peyton Stearns. Their precipitous rise up the rankings is, dare I say, unprecedented uh, in terms of collegiate players making that 18-month push. I mean, Emma Navarro's going to be f***ing seated at the Australian Open probably. Like, Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It's a testament to the year she had. And to your point, exactly. The last thing I would say before we get into it, there are 17 top 100 Americans to end the year. There are just more names to pick from. And certainly, there are a lot of young players on the ascent as well. Players like, she's been around for a while, but like a a Claire Liu is really not that old, and she's still trying to consolidate her spot. Haley Baptiste, not that old, still trying to consolidate her spot. And Lee, I would still throw that name in there. Like the Ashlyn Krugers of the world, the Caroline Dalahides of the world, the Katie McNallys of the world, you know, Katie Volleynets even of the world. There are a lot of really good players aged like 18 to, we'll say, 23 in American women's tennis right now, and picking specifically which ones are going to pop in a given season takes a little bit of luck. Like, I think all of us would have gambled at in December of 2022 that Amanda Anisimova was going to end the year ranked higher than, you know, again, just about all of these players we've discussed, Navarro, yeah. Stearns, Leon. She did not. And so, again, it does make this exercise particularly tricky. That said, before we get into our specific list this year, much as we did last time, I want to ask you, Ben Rothenberg, coming off of a season where you had two unequivocal top five players in Coco Golf, in Jessica Pagula, you had someone, honestly, in Madison Keys who showed as high of an upside as just about anyone. Did you watch that Jessica Pagula U.S. Open match? It's clear when Madison Keys is playing her best tennis, that best tennis can still be elite what are your expectations for 2024 for this group? I mean, they get an unequivocal A, obviously, for me for for the year. Slam champ, you win a slam, you get an A. That's basically it. And American women's tennis has obviously they're you know, maybe that's even generous considering the incredibly high standard and bar that American women's tennis has set through my whole lifetime. Certainly, and even before that, I mean, you look at uh, you know. The history of women's tennis, women's professional tennis was an American pursuit, it was an American invention. I mean, from Billie Jean to Chris Everett to Navratilova, who became American pretty early in her career, to Monica Sell is even American for, for a lot of her career. And then to, you know, Davenport, Capriati, Williams is, uh, it was an American show for a long time. And obviously Serena kept that show going for a very long time in terms of delivering slam titles reliably. And people took it for granted. And then, yeah, more recently, you've had some people pop up with so far a slam apiece in terms of Stevens, Cannon, and and Goff. It's sort of three-year intervals there since Serena stopped winning her slams. 
and it, it's a it's a great crop and 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 yeah so i i give them an a what would be success next year bluntly another slam i mean like if it's not another slam in america you're a little disappointed but certainly keeping those those two top players who are pretty far from the rest of the pack even if keys has had really good slam results i think golf and pagula are kind of on their own on plane for sure and and yeah if they maintain top five obviously that that's great uh and we'll just see what else the rest can do it's a really interesting mix right now because there's a lot of transition it feels like there's a lot of players who are 30 and above we're talking about your shelby rogers's your brengles your allison risk and so on uh who are seemingly on the way down and there's all these other players on the way up and some of the other players who are good but still older like your keys stevens collins whatever you want to put there how they mix in altitude this list is tough like i i put some names on here you know i don't feel super confident about it that a lot of these women have been individually unpredictable and then as a group they're even more unpredictable so uh, I'm just looking forward to having fun and talking about women's tennis. Not so much about just vibes. Not necessarily worried about getting things too too correct. I'm holding myself to too uh, harsh a standard here for this game. I should always enjoy playing, but it's just it's tough. This was the most difficult exercise I think I undertook in the month of December. Is trying to come up with my top ten. American I have six women. honorable mentions. So you yeah. Know. Oh, uh, all right. Well, you say you have six. I have two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, sixteen honorable That's mentions. A joke. Ben. That's no, a joke. That's no, a no, joke. No, no. I have twenty six <laughs> names I considered for my top ten yeah. Americans. I don't think That's that is a joke though because we. 17 top 100 players and then there are the progression of I just think players. I just think it's fun. I just think it's I just think it's funny being that indecisive is what I think I have 16 yeah. honorable mentions well I always like to go right. well, let, well let me be clear I Amina Bactis is on my list as an honorable mention because I would have been too disrespectful for us as Wolverines to not at least throw her on a list do I think she's going to be a top 10 American to end next season very certain I'm that she is not going to be um wow I still like I want to say her like again the season wow, she disrespectful had to, but very certain she's not making it wow we're, yeah I don't know where the disrespect came well, in that well, here's the thing. Yikes. I still think she's going to be a top 100 player. And it's just like, what if there's yeah. some regression elsewhere? And like just all these different things. Like I love Bectus's weapons, the movement I'm not quite there with. But still, anyways, the point is like there's a world where there's 26 top 100 Americans next year. Like, uh, again, a name yeah, we're sure. not going to talk about, but like or maybe we are going to talk about her. Maybe you have Jen Brady on your list somewhere and we can get there. But like she was someone I had to throw in honorable mention because I watched her play at the U.S. Open. And I don't know how healthy she's going to be. And I've been burned by that health bug so frequently over the past couple of years, a.k.a. Anisimova and Kennan, that like I'm not going to make that same mistake a third year in a row. But if Jennifer Brady's healthy, she should be one of the top 10 Americans because certainly she shows that sort of level. I just say, in addition to top hundred, basically there's there's 27 top 200 Americans yeah. right now, and so it's just it's a deep cut. And there's a lot of people you have to look at, and a lot of them are young, you know, in this in this range, and even some of the ones who aren't young, you know, your Shelby Rogers is in your Brengles. Like, actually, I'm not sure what's going on with, with them health wise right now, either of them, but uh, wishing them well. But yeah, you just there's a lot of lot of lot of lot of different pieces on the board to look at. Let's can I tell you my number ten because I was amused by by what you said or about her. A moment ago. Well, does that mean it's Amina Bectus? No, it doesn't. Uh, okay, well, please, by all means, then, let's get into the list. Again, expectations, you said slam title. My expectation, I want 10 top 50 players at least. I want 20 top 100 players at least. And I want to see Goff, Pagula, et cetera. 20 top 100, that's 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 aggressive. That's gaudy. Yeah. I like and that. I, and 20 I top want, 100 is a lot. And I want four quarterfinals or further at the majors. Can be from the same player, but I need four quarterfinals or further at the majors from this group. I want a Jess they, Pagula semi. I yeah, want they that. are that yeah. good this year. But so, without further ado... Ben Rothenberg, as we litigated last time, a real list starts at 10 and we work our way up. You know who you are, who disagrees. Let's start at number 10. Who you got? Well, just because you 
were chiding yourself for saying it was such a terrible pick at number 10 last year. I picked Ann Lee at number 10 this year. <laughs> uh, Ann Lee, who, if you look at our archives, was number two on your list the first time we did this uh, behind Kenan. Your top two was Kenan Lee. So that was a face plant of a year when you did that. But look, Ann Lee is currently number 25 on the American ladder. And I just think she's a really good player. I honestly do not know what's been going on with her. Bluntly, I have not been following her, but I know what her upside is. I know how good she was in 2021. I think that she, I watched her you know, play Junior Wimbledon final against Claire Liu. I, I think she's got a lot of talent and potential. And I think there's every reason why she can, you know, she has the game for it. In this crowded field, Ann Lee is someone who... I would back. I would like, I would not, if you told me Ann Lee will quality in Australia and make third round, like I would not be shocked, you know, like she's a player with just the talent. It's just, I don't, again, I don't know if it's mental or physical. I've, I don't have the Ann Lee dossier updated right now, but I see that name on this, on this pretty far down this ladder at 25, honestly. But I, she's my sort of my fun pick for number 10, my adventurous pick for number 10. And not that she's my last adventurous pick, but at number 10, I have Ann Lee. I got no problem with it. King of Prussia's uh, Ann Lee, as I yeah, call her on Twitter. 23 years old. By the way, my favorite Ann Lee fun fact. You look at her Wikipedia page in the personal life section. In her spare time, she enjoys playing the ukulele. Like, that's got to be an extra boost. Up out Do you know what's been going on with Ann Lee? Because I, I feel rusty on this. It's, I don't it, know. So, it started with injuries in 2022, certainly. But, yeah. look, she played, 50, uh, excuse me, 64 matches in 2023. So it wow. wasn't injury-related. And, again, a lot of it was at the ITF level. She did have a bunch of ITF 125K, 100K success to build her ranking back up to number 169. But, like, no, I don't get it, Ben, to your point, is because on paper and watching her play, the 23-year-old can do a little bit of everything. Like She moves pretty well in and out of the corners. Obviously, the ground strokes, her ability to extend through the ball, explode through the ball. Like It's a top 100 skill set. Yeah, she's a little smaller in stature. The serve can sit up a little bit, but it wasn't a weakness for her in 21 or 22 when she was really on the ascendance. Like, I don't get it. I I really don't. And I guess it's my lack of certainty of I don't know what she does definitively better than some of the players on this list who I know exactly what they're going to look like and exactly what they do to have success or at least more so. So that's why I left her off. But like, it's not a terrible swing. I think think this group is so strong that unless you were dropping, literally, I would draw the line here, unless you're dropping Pagula or Goff from your top 10. I can make a case against anyone finishing this top 10 because they're all kind of up and down and the field is so good. You don't have to be, have that bad of it. You're, you're squinting. Well, keys, I, I would put keys in that golf Pagula tier as well. I think she's earned that benefit of the doubt. To if be you like, told me keys finished the year 60, you know, I wouldn't be like, you know, and that could be enough to miss the top 10. If you're saying, if you're saying there's 10 in the top 50, I'm not, I, I keys is on my list to be clear. Okay. Keys made my top 10 comfortably, but I'm just saying, you know, Keys is up and down. If you say Keys is having a down year, Keys was unseated in Australia a couple of years ago. Like Keys has highs and lows. It could, yeah. I, I, I think, I think it's a very fluid dynamic we have here. I have no problem with that, and usually we like to have fun with the number ten spot. I actually think it's my least enjoyable selection on my list. I went with Danielle Collins at number ten. Okay. I'm just not ready to drop her out of this top ten discussion quite yet because, you know, again, you can draw a direct correlation to why does Danielle Collins struggle or what fall, uh, causes her to fall down the rankings just because she can't play that many matches at times when the injuries do pile up. She's someone who's had to deal with just an assortment of things throughout the course of her career and yet like just point to Montreal like where she was yeah. still 
top 20 level very, very clearly in beating Sakari and beating Fernandez. Svitolina before the three-set loss to Sviantec. She had a semifinal in San Diego to end the year as well, where she beats an Ostapenko, who I think had her best season outside of 17 last year, who beat a Caroline Garcia, who's playing pretty well down the season's home stretch, three sets with eventual champion Krejcikova as well. Now, you know, Danielle Collins turned 30 this month. Like, I don't know if she's the old, uh, excuse me, the youngest 30-year-old we have on tour, or if like, you know, again, she played four years of college. Like that kind of makes sense, even though she's still, I was, I went through, I did this exercise, Ben. I know you listened to the mini break religiously, so you probably heard the episode where I talked about the next, uh, excuse me, the post-Serena original generation, those players like 30 to 35, whose rise came at the tail end of Serena, those players like the Pliskovas, the Halops, the Wozniakis, et cetera, to talk about what their runway is moving forward. And I don't know why in my head, like, I figured Danielle Collins' stats, not that they'd be that comparable to some of those players, but I didn't figure she'd be as far behind as she is. You look for Danielle Collins' career tour-level victories, only 127. Like, for a 30-year-old, that's not near, for someone who's had the success that she has had, been ranked as high as number seven, you would just think that number would be a little bit higher. But again, she did play four years of college tennis. I'm just not ready to quit on her. I have her number 10 on my list. Did she crack your top 10? She is one of these players who is so hard to deal with on this list because the highs are highs and the lows are lows and, and our highs are high and lows are low. And, and I put the, I put, you know, from her uh, uh, cohort, like bluntly Stevens and keys in there too. I think they have this really high variability in terms of we've seen them make slam finals and we've seen them just have inexplicable losing streaks and go off the rails and, and just dips. And so all that being said, I put Collins at number six and <laughs> I, I thought about knocking her off the list and yet she's at number six, which is, which is kind of goes to this whole exercise for me because it's, it's tough. I mean, she's at number nine right now. I have some other people dropping below her and I think that she puts together, you know, Collins, I see her doing something like making a slam semi or making a, a final of a thousand next year somewhere. And, that could be enough to get to six ish, you know. Like I think that she's, I think peak Collins, and it's a good, it's a fun question. Like if everyone is at the, their peak in American women's tennis, who's the best? And I think peak Collins is in that conversation. For still. sure. I don't know what she looks like in her thirties. We haven't seen her play past this age. She has had a lot of health issues, not just injury, but also some other health yeah. issues as well. And how that affects her on any given day is 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 relevant, and we don't know all the answers but god like when 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 collins is like out there treeing it's Iga Svantec in the australian open final in 2022 it's so cool like just seeing her just like ripping return winners at will i i've seen peak collins a bunch especially in australia i saw her demolish i think it was Svitolina on an outer court in brisbane mentioned brisbane earlier love brisbane a couple years ago she can just be that that version of her is so scary and so good that i I, I couldn't keep her off this list uh, and have more faith in her bluntly than I do in some of the newer arrivals because yeah. I feel like I know the Collins stock a little better. I My list, I will say, spoiler-ish for my list, my list skews a little older. Ooh. So I, I I had to make a pick in terms of which lane I was going to go on. I mostly went older on my list. I got so it. Collins at number six. My 10 spot, and I'm, I don't want to get into all of my honorable mentions because I don't want to give away my list, but my 10 spot came down to four veterans. Collins, Townsend, Stevens, um, and Jennifer Brady. Those were the four I was going to pick okay. for that number 10 okay. spot. And I don't know. I guess of those four, I just think Danielle Collins' peak is still the highest, to your point very clearly made. Okay. And so, like, and by the way, last year she was still above her career average and hold percentage. I do think when we see her healthy again, 
it's still Danielle freaking Collins. I'm going to put her at 10 because it's just a force. Honestly, I'd rather be wrong than uh, and not have and, – and she doesn't crack this list than vice versa. So she's your 6. Collins is my 10. Lee was your 10. Who's your 9? My 9 is – again, this goes kind of my overall strategy of, of cowardice but also respect for my generation and people <laughs> who were, who were uh, old enough to remember 9-11. It's, uh, it's uh, Emma Navarro. Ooh. is my number nine okay she's my number six so i like that so okay. we can knock that number out of the way why okay okay so navarro i have gotten so many messages from people yeah. uh in the last couple weeks since i did my show with you report card saying who the hell is emma navarro because <laughs> they're looking honestly because they're look these are like australians who are writing their previews for the tournament they're other people because they see her on the list of seeds and they're like they don't know who this person is bluntly they have <laughs> not seen her and I have not seen tons of her either. Like she has not had a ton of success at tour level. She, we talked about her at length on the report card episode. So people want to hear more about my sort of thoughts on processing her there. She played a very vultury schedule at the end of last year to get herself up to as high as she is. And but only I just don't know enough about her to bet on her hugely. It's honestly a sign of some respect. I'm keeping her in my top 10 at all because that this was a very fluid, fluid list. And her game seems solid. I think she can probably hang around the edge of the top 50, which is, I think, going to be a natural sort of deflation from her kind of inflated ranking right now at 32, which obviously fairly earned, but I think it's a little artificially high with some of the scheduling she did. She is 2-0. and I think I mentioned on the uh, report card, she is 2-0 and against top 20 players. So she can hack it against the, the big dogs when she is put out there, but she hasn't put herself out on this big stage. So hopefully she plays a full elite schedule. I do not want to see her play in any 125s or anything, certainly the first half of this year or anything like that. I want to see her actually try to play to her ranking, uh, hopefully. And, but I have her at nine just because I haven't seen much. I have never don't know how she responds to Grand Slam pressure. And I think it's a really good crop. So I have I have Navarro down at nine. She also has so many points to defend. So of course. Many points. I mean, yeah, she has thirteen hundred fifty five points. So uh-huh. many points made 15 quarterfinals last year. So it's spread out across the calendar as well. Every month, every pocket, obviously early on when there's more 25 and 60 K stuff, you know, she wins one match in Australia. She's cleaned up for the month of January and protected her points. So that's fine. But yeah, she's going to have to sustain that level uh, throughout the course of the year. Why I have her at number six. Six. And by the way, one other argument you could make, and you know, I haven't referenced tennis abstracts ELO ratings in a little bit, just a reminder, those ELO ratings measure who you play, how you're Her scored. ELO can't be good, can it? So she's ranked 32 in the world. Her ELO ranking, 54. So it is a yeah, little bit see, lower. So you see some value against so I'm putting her around there. I'm putting her around there, yeah. basically, in my prediction. Which yeah. is why I can't knock you. Why I'm going with six is just a bet on the 22-year-old. Like, I've sure. been around Emma for a little bit, and to see the, the gains she's made from a movement perspective, from a physicality perspective, in just 18 months on the tour, like she really has changed her body. I don't want to say entirely, but it's a different composition than it was in college where, again, she didn't have to be in as good of shape because she was just better at the tennis than everyone else. I said this in our report card. What would I do to describe Emma Navarro's game? And this is why, by the way, all those Australian reporters, why the hell would you message Ben when my DMs are wide open about Emma Navarro? Just a little message, <laughs> a little public service announcement to all of you. Um, we got to get you We got to get you an Australian PR campaign. I don't think yeah, I know you in Australia. I yet. appreciate that. As you're touring Naomi Osaka, just throw in, by the way, if you have any 
any Emma Navarro thoughts, contact Alex Gruskin. Um, but we'll throw, we'll, throw, we'll, we'll, throw in, we'll throw in Stearns. We'll throw in any other college player <laughs> yeah, exactly. you want in there. You name it. I'm there for you. Meyer Sharif. Like, do you want her Fresno State time or her Pepperdine time? Because I can tell you about both. Um, Reem's got Reem's got Meyer Sharif covered on the Egypt angle. Uh, Sharif is taken. But yeah, you know, fair uh, enough. I'll put up my knowledge with with Reem okay, on that okay, one in okay. particular. But yes, Reem does an outstanding job always. I'm not here to knock her work. Anyways, Navarro is the term, and I use this, I think, in our report card as well. She's a tennis chameleon. Like, whatever it is her opponent's doing, whatever that level is across the net, she finds a way to match it. And the technique is so pure. And her forehand can be a weapon. She's comfortable moving uh, forward. She can just do a little bit of everything. Now, is she an elite, elite athlete? I don't know if I'd say yes to that question, but to no, see, her I would say, I would say no, I would say no to yeah, that question. Yeah, I, I probably would as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I remember, I remember we had this conversation on the yeah, report was, card, but yeah. basically like, cause I had not seen tons of her recently. So I went and watched, a, uh, a, you know, probably an hour's worth of highlights of Emma Navarro. And immediately I'm like, the movement is not great. Yeah. You see the improvement. I look at it with fresh eyes and say, this is not great. And both are true. It's it's much better than it was, but it's still not great. It's fair. The only thing I would point to is again, last year she went sixty four and twenty four overall, eighty eight matches. Shout out to you, Emma Navarro. Played in November at the hundred K level, because why not? Twenty one and fifty. But also why? Yeah. Also why? Dainu, as they say in my culture. Anyways, 21 and 15 overall, though, at the tour level. Four different quarterfinals or further did it on clay, grass courts, and hard courts. Emma Navarro's just freaking good. And again, this is one of those to talk about your theme. Your theme was discussing the uncertainty. And so you skewed a little bit older because you know a little bit more about those players. Yeah. I just feel like the delta between ceiling and floor for Navarro might be as thin as anyone not named Jessica Pagula. Like, no disrespect to Coco Goff, who also probably belongs in that thing. But I just, I know who Emma Navarro is. So again, Australian reporters, I know who she is. Text me. I got your thoughts. Um, but. I had her up at number six because, again, even if there is a little bit regression, I could see this world where, you know, again, the top four Americans or top three American, top four, I'm going to say, are all top 20, maybe even top 15 players. And then in my quest to find six top 50 Americans, I honestly think we're going to see next season, we're going to have players ranked like 32, 35, 37, 41, 44, 46. Like, I do think we're going to have just this wave of players who are not quite seeds at slams, but are just good week in, week out, can do things. And Emma Navarro is one of those players, highly compliment, great compliment there, Eric, uh, Alex. She can do things. Um, All right. So who's your number yeah. nine then? Anyways, she's my number six. My number nine is near and dear to your heart. Shout out to the D.C. metro area. Shout out to Haley Baptiste, who I'm going to put at number nine. On nice. Because nice. there's good. a celebration for Ben. I got to see Haley. All right. It's a two-part bias. All right. It's a one-part bias. Two-part bias. Part number one, I got to see Haley play in Midland uh, to end the season, and I just liked what I saw. Like, I really She just, is so fun to watch. Yeah. I will say earlier, I don't have her on my list purely because I think I've come close to putting her a couple of times. She's at number 20 on the ladder right now. 131. I, I would love to see her get into top 100, but even still, is top 100 good enough for top 10? I don't necessarily think so. But yeah, she's like, I, I go out of my way to watch her in a way that I, I say about very few players. Actually, almost no one on this list. There's almost no one on this list who I go out of my way to watch more than I do Haley. If I'm at a tournament, Haley's in qualities. I will be there watching her serve in volley, doing all of her all of her stuff. Yeah. I watched her play against some German woman in qualities at the French Open, and she was treeing so hard. I was there with Tumani, and Tumani said, "If I mean, we did record an NCR draw preview right afterwards, and he said." 
we're going through her name. She was like, well, if anything we just saw is the case, then Haley Baptiste is winning this tournament. Like Haley <laughs> Baptiste is, her peak is that good. She's, she just like brings, makes me happy watching her in a way that's like very special and very cool. I also like in the last two and a half months of the season, she got wins over Carolina Pliskova. She got a win over Peyton Stern. She got win over Elizabeth Mandelik. Like she played really good ball down the season's home yep. stretch. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And again, she has the combination of power, athleticism, creativity, just like, I like it. I'm in. And by the way, she often plays doubles with Whitney Osigway, and they had a lot of success down the season's home stretch as well as a pairing. I, I, it's fun to watch them play. This is the part two of the bias. I hadn't seen them since a Lexington, Kentucky event in person. I haven't seen them in person since like Lexington, Kentucky, February of 2020. But I go up to Haley after the match. I'm like, hey, Haley, like, I just want to say congratulations on the result or whatever. And she goes, oh, thanks, Alex. And she called me Alex. And I was like, Holy shit, you remember me enough to call me Alex? Like, it's not a proverbial Gruskin or a no-name here. I'm getting a straight Alex out of you. Um, You won my heart, Haley Baptiste. Like, again, I appreciated that. And it's just, like, it's a sound thing. I know this is so stupid, but you and I watch a lot of tennis, so maybe you'll back me here. 100%. Some people just hit the ball differently. And she is one of those people who, with the combination of skills she has, again, just turned 22 in November. By the way, her birthday was in Midland. That's why I made sure that the crowd sang happy birthday for her. So I like to think her and I will be bonded moving forward. Um, she's my number nine. I just I think it's going to click eventually. And I use 10 for more serious things. I'm going to use nine for my S's and G spot. Yeah, I got fun. no problem putting her there. I hope you're right. I <laughs> want great things for her. I think she's one of the people, again, who, like, she will just make – if she's on big courts, okay. if she gets to play a big match, like, you know, main draw U.S. Open, let's hope. She gets a wild card at the very least. I I think she just makes people happy. I think that she's just, like, a really, really likable mm-hmm. person and player and spirit on this tour. I chatted her parents also. I know decently well. Uh, yeah, I lots of good things about Haley Baptiste. Honorable mention for – she's one of my honorable mentions, but – yeah. I'm very glad she's on your tent. Really doesn't have much to defend the first two months either. She made a semifinal at a 60K, a semifinal at a 25K. That's really it. So I do think there's a world for her to make a quick jump as well into the top 100 early in the season. And then once you are top 100, that's when things can start to really open up with you with tour level results. But I'm going to cut you off, cut you off. I'm going to go with my number eight first before I allow you to do yours because it's another Midland-centric take. I know okay. how inconsistent and what you mentioned, where's Haley Baptiste on this list right now she's like 22nd or 20, something like 20. that yeah, 20 so she would have to make a little bit of a jump to go to number nine I'll tell you what we did have not talked about Alicia Parks and her 2023 uh season and the fascination that it was and for what it's worth Alicia Parks finishes 14th overall amongst the Americans she's number she's eight five overall she is my number eight and the reason Parks is my number seven. Oh, I like to hear it and so again this is another one of those I got to see her in person in Midland, and oh my goodness. Like, yeah. I'm just in. I don't care that it's very clear the pieces are not all together of this puzzle quite yet. It's very clear what you're going to get on this point isn't always going to be the same as what you're going to get on the next point from Alicia Parks. And again, after such a successful ending run to last season, to, for her to win Lyon right away to start last year, like the expectations piled up pretty quick because she will be the first to say, who did she model her technique after? Serena Williams. And I will tell you what, in person, it's the closest I've ever seen to Serena's forehand from a technique standpoint being duplicated. I'm not saying, again, that's who she's going to become moving forward, but the serve, the power, 
the willingness to move forward, the fact that every match I saw her play in Midland, even the one she lost against Kalinskaya, was still played on her terms. And then, to get to something from something we discussed when we did your book review, Naomi Osaka, her journey to finding her power and her voice. You can order it wherever it is. You order your books. Main character energy, Ben. Oh, yeah. There's just something to her where it's my terms, it's my match, we're playing at my speed, and look, there's a year, uh, a scenario where she falls out of the top 100 really fast to start the year because she has that Leon points to defend yeah. right away. But f*** it. I'm betting on her. I'll put her at number eight. I just, I'm just in. Like I said, I think I tweeted it at the time. After watching her in person, I'm just in. I have the same story. I think I told it when we did report cards, whatever, talked about her before. I watched her on, there's a court in Berlin, the WTA 500 in Berlin on grass, which is not really... It's it's badly designed. It's, the public can't really get to watch it up close. You have to kind of watch it from walking past another full court to see it. But I, in the media, my credential, I was able to stand courtside. So I was one of maybe four people watching this match. Her against Jung Chin Wen, sure, who's obviously Queen Win, who's who's a big, big, highly prospected, highly, high, you know, hot prospect, whatever. And Parks just demolished her. And Parks hits the ball so big, serves so big. It was awesome to see. And I was so fired up about Parks. I was like, Parks is great. Parks played really well. The next match against Anshabur, this is 2022, mm-hmm. uh, played really well uh, against Anshabur. I was going to Woman of Quality. So I was like, guys, you got to watch Parks. She's going to be awesome. And she completely flopped in Wimbledon qualities. <laughs> and like, it was so bad. And she barely won games against some nobody in the first round of, of Roehampton. I was like, this is going to be a wild ride with Leisha Parks. The high, talk about highs, highs, lows, lows. Parks has that in, in, buckets and yeah i have her at seven because i know the highs are high and i just have so much respect for her upside the lows will be low too i you saw her indoors which i think is a big big factor she's much better indoors than outdoor player uh as it as it happens you saw her run to the ostrava Mm -hmm. final was it a couple years ago i mean she or or at least made a deep run in ostrava whatever not not a final semis it was good but anyway so she's she's an indoor player and that's not a big part of the calendar unfortunately anymore on the WTA with with the indoor season now becoming the Asian outdoor season largely. So yeah, but, but the serve is so big. I mean, she probably has the best serve in women's tennis right now, I would say. And, and I'd go Sabalenka, but it's close. Yeah. It's, 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 she's up there. And I think it's a testament how much the rest of her game is shaky that she could have the number one serve and be ranked in the eighties. But yeah, she's a, I have her at seven. I, I, I buy I buy that stock. I think it's worth the risk. The upside is so high. If you told me, honestly, if you told me like Alicia Parson win the US Open next year, I'd be like, you know what? I can see a path for that. If she gets hot at the right time, she can do it. She has that kind of upside. She really does. And maybe you're now all listeners starting to see my philosophy with my list. I'm just taking swings. Like, because to your point, I would be I would be shocked if outside of Pagula Golf, maybe we have that order the same. But outside of that, like I would be shocked if we have any overlaps on our American women's list. And I think we had two or three overlaps on the men's side because like Oh, same exact same yeah, person, same yeah, spot. Same yeah. person, same spot. Because take a dart, throw it at the dart. We're close on parks. You, you're an eight, I'm at seven. That's close. Yeah, that's I know. Close. That's and I think that might be as close as we get till the ending. Because like again, it's uh, she's another one who ranking is higher than the Elo rating. She's at one twenty according to Tennis Abstract's mm. Elo rating. Yet again, I'm just fine being wrong on this one. And if I'm wrong, so be it. I actually we're here to have fun. We're here to I have think fun. we're gonna flip seven and eight. I think your number eight's gonna be Ashlyn Kruger. Am I right or wrong? You're wrong. Okay. It, it, it? It, it, Kruger was a late cut for my list. Okay. Um, I guess she's on your list. She's my seven eight, for me. We'll get to her in a second. My eight is the person. This is my last sort of like high risk, high reward pick, I think. 
It's the person who's currently number 29 on the American ladder. Mm. It is Jennifer Brady. Oh, there it is. I'm glad you included her. Yeah, I just, once I saw her, like, once I scrolled down for her and I saw her, I was like, you know, Brady, like, Again, she could be should be number one on this list, honestly. If if everything goes to to form and she is able to play a full year healthy, I mean, who knows? Um, but she's playing Australia. I just have such respect for her, her upside and her game and her what she did coming out of the pandemic was unreal. Making, you know, winning Lexington, making the semis of the US Open, uh, and final of the Australian Open both times losing to Naomi Osaka. Uh pre-order now. <laughs> Brady is is unreal and and I'm just, it's just more of like a, I'm rooting for you kind of pick. Like, I know you are capable of this. If I thought she'd be healthy all the time, I would, maybe I'm hedging even a bit having her at number eight. It's one of those things like, I maybe should put her at four if she's going to be healthy all the way. Um, but yeah, there's, she's one of those many, many players who has a huge range of possibilities on this ladder. And I, I she landed at number eight for me in my, in my list. And yeah, just, we know the game. We know how big the upside is. She has a game that can just bully people around the court. Uh, and looked pretty good. U.S. Open, honestly, that that run was was solid. Played a good match against Wozniacki in that third round. So, lots of uh, lots of respect for Jen Brady and pulling for her she for sure. Tw- she played twelve matches in twenty twenty three. Her ranking currently sitting at two thirty three. She's for the twelve first matches. That's pretty good. Well, she's the first person we've discussed. Elo ranking is eighty one, and yep. like again, it's a bet on the health. I, that's the only reason I left her off. By the way, another funny one who's like. A little higher than you'd think. Katie McNally's at 74 in the ELO ratings. I actually thought about her and Brady very similarly because when they overwhelm you, again, they just have this unequivocal ability to play on their terms. I went Parks Baptiste over Brady McNally, but like if you want to put Brady and McNally in those eight and nine spots instead, I'm not yeah. going to knock you. And it's a very vibe centric thing. But I don't like, have I don't have McNally, yeah. but she's also like a, a valid you know kind of eight through ten pick on this list 100%. for sure. There's a lot of people. Yeah, it's, you could pick anyone. Like it's really tough. I'm that's why I'm going back to 20 top. 110 top 50. Let's be bold in 2024. I went Ashley. I like Kruger. I like that. I like that you're holding them to high standards. Usually you're like that's higher than I'm saying. 20 is so many. It's I love so it. Many. I love I love I love but, that you are are at least more more uh, tough on the bottom end of the spectrum. But I just think it's good. because it's they're good. that good. Like I I don't think it's an unreasonable ask to be like hey like you're all top 100 players. Like, can I give just, you? A, can I can I take you on a very slight tangent or a fairly sizable tangent? Actually, briefly actually, here? we have a rule on the mini break: no tangents. Yes, of course you could take me on a tangent. Well, okay, so we have we're bare we're we're warehousing players into the top yeah. hundred right here. Right, we have so many overflow yeah. players in the top hundred. Can we please get rid of these reciprocal wild cards? We do not need them. Here we go. I we love. Them. Why are we giving up spots in the I, U.S. <laughs> Open to France and Australia? Why are we doing this? You're it's right. Not worth it. Like I understand your argument. You're not right. It's I understand your line it. of argumentation. I really like the wild card challenges down the home stretch that we do on the ITF or on the challenger side for the men and the women. To Australia, I, I have lesser problem with it. The French one, we always the wild card always flops there anyway. Kipson had a rough one. That's true. Tiafo though came to like fame with his Sarasota and uh, Tallahassee challenger success, and then he gets that French Open main. He was draw. already I mean, famous. Yeah, to us, like to us. Tennis but... Sandgren came to fame through it. You could say. Yeah, that but might be true. Tiafo no. Ryan Williams, shout out. I miss Lang's Twitter account every day. That was one of my OGs. Wherever Lang went, uh, one of my favorites. Ryan Ryan Williams, very OG Twitter. Breakfast breakfast tweets? Absolutely. Real ones, no. That's what I'm saying. That's where – anyways – I'm going to go Ashlyn Kruger as my number seven. And that you have she, she, she was a late cut for me. Yeah, that, for, me. for sure, though, was on your not, not she 16, was, she was, but she was honorable. She was part today. of my – She actually, she was literally in my top ten, and I moved her out to put, I think, Brady in because okay. she was 
one of the people I had a strategy of like, okay, I have to pick a, a philosophy here. I'm picking known quantities over people who surged in 2023. Yeah. I didn't get to see tons of, and I was, I remember prepping for the report card episode, watching Kruger, and I was very impressed. I watched her, uh, it was Osaka final. Was it one Osaka she won yep. or, or Hiroshima? Yep. Yep. Osaka. Which one it was. yep. And yeah, she was good. She won against uh, Julin, I believe in that final. And I was impressed. She's just like a, a good player and I totally get the pick. No, I'm I'm all in, and I've talked about this with our dear friend David Kane pretty frequently over the last couple of months. But like, technique, power, size, fluidity. She's 18 years, or excuse good me, competitor too. Good yeah, competitor. 19 years old, 82 in the world. Like, doesn't have a ton of points to defend her in the front half of the season stretch yeah. as well. And you know, again, you look for her last year. Did she play any main draw matches at the majors? I'm glad you asked. She played one main draw match, a five and four loss to Boshkova at the U.S. Open. Not bad. That's it. Like that is just as we call in the business, low hanging fruit for improvement in her ranking. And again, she's young. It's that trajectory. She was a top-ranked junior in her class. She's always had that pedigree. I think a former San Diego Girls 18s champion, which of course are the U.S. Women's National Championships, and you win that event, you always will have my attention. I was like two seconds away from putting Claire V. Gunaway on my list, but I was like, all right, Alex, like, be respectful. Um, like, don't be ridiculous. Ooh, like but yeah, I knew you would have liked that. That's why, like, tell me 20's crazy and I'll call you crazy. Because, like, we've got Claire V's sitting out there and, like, we just – it's a really good group of American women right now. I think these this next decade is going to be really, really fun if you're a fan of American women's tennis. Anyways, I know that was a little light on Kruger analysis, but like – So we did that, report yeah. card. We, we covered yeah, it. Yeah, that's my seven. Again, to recap the sixes, we've already done uh, – Ben went with Danielle Collins. I went with Emma Navarro. Now we're in the top five, and I'm pretty sure four of our top five names will be the same. Yeah. The fifth one is where we get tricky. Who's number five on your list? The fifth one is the fifth one for me. It's not the one who I think we're going to overlap on. The fifth one for me, I know you already don't have because you mentioned her as, as missing your cut. But if everyone's at their best on this tour, Sloan I Stevens. can Here I can go. make a real argument that the best yeah. one of them is Sloane Stevens. Here we go. I picked Sloane as number one on a previous <laughs> iteration. The first time we did this yeah. list, I picked Sloane as number one. Yeah. I, you know, Sloane, to the frustration of, of fans and her coaches alike, you know, the 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 intensity is not always there. The fitness is not always there. The tennis even is, is not always there. But when it is, my God, it is so good. And I still just think she has has some left in her. I think that she has, you know, I think she can make another deep slam run. Like, I think you could say, honestly, like she should have made that friendship in final the year. She lost to Coco in that quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, she could have won that match. I think that was not necessarily a great loss for her after having a great run to that quarterfinal, and then she would have definitely beat Trevisan in the semis and made it to another slam final. And maybe we look at her a little bit differently. Uh, she obviously came close to in that second slam against Hal. I'm talking about her French Open results exclusively for some reason here. But, you know, <laughs> she's a French Open really solid every year. She kind of peaks there. I think she's made the fourth she's round just... in every time, but like twice. Like I, Because she was in my, uh, my post-Serena generation of like who's yeah. been really good. And her run at the French Open, obviously, when you think of runs at the French Open, you're going to think Nadal always. But like for mortal humans sloan's been ridiculous at that event she's at that league kind of with a uh i would put her in the same conversation the french open it's like a stoser almost sure. i mean stoser is the same kind of player who that neither i believe i'm right about this except for if you don't count charleston mm-hmm. i be- believe neither of them ever won a red clay title or maybe stoser won stukart 
interesting. Uh, maybe the final there. I'm not sure. But that Sloan hasn't won a red clay title, I don't believe, is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, her game is so... I might be, unless she won some 250 that I forgot about. But her game... Maybe she won a Strasburg or something. I don't know. But Sloan is, is so good. Her game is so fluid. When she's on, she's just like... It looks like the perfect player, right? But it's so elusive. And you having her off your list, I can't even argue with. Yeah. But her... Again, this is this sort of thing. I had all these moving parts, including Collins, who's right behind our list at six. And I just went with, you know, some of the veterans over people like Kruger, over Navarro, who's below her on my list. I I just I I bet on that sort of familiarity. Sloan, I don't know how many more years she's gonna be on tour. I don't know. Um, but she I hope is is committed and and tries to make a, a push here because I think that she is such a a star. She's such a rock star in the press room. We obviously have a funny dynamic, me and Sloan. Lots of bands. Someone could easily make the greatest hits of our like press conference interactions. That's good. Uh, she's, uh, she's. I, I find her a lot of fun and good for the game. And uh, yeah, I hope that she has it in her. This is, again, kind of like, not unlike Brady, honestly, kind of, even though she's much higher in the rankings currently. Kind of like, I, I believe in you. I think you can do this. Prove me right. I got no problem with the pick. Here's the problem. Here's the last four, last three seasons. I don't care about 2020. Last three seasons. 19 and 18, 18 and 17, 20 and 20. I, that's kinda, loss. That's yeah. not very many matches even, too. Yeah, but that's yeah. very consistent over a three-year run. Like, again, that's why I'm just... It's fascinating to me that you don't have Peyton Stearns on your list, and she is my yeah. I love for, yeah. For Peyton was was one of my last cuts too. She she yeah. is she was another person. She was originally at at eight or nine, and I took her off and yeah. put on Ann Lee or something. I mean, yeah. like it's you know uh, again because I want to do something that was a little spicier for my bottom. Sure. You know, I want the Ann Lee spicy pick, and Peyton's a very safe pick, and Peyton it's a good percentage play. I don't know about top five. Top five feels aggressive with Peyton again, just because unproven on tour, kind of it should be kind of a sophomore slump potentially coming up for Peyton, but. I and also I'm biased because the one time I saw Peyton in person, she got her her yeah, quack fair. here, her <laughs> rocked by yeah. Haley Baptiste on the qualities of Washington. It was not pretty. <laughs> she got her <laughs> kicked. So, uh, so I'm I'm biased from that one very small sample size of seeing Peyton Stearns in person. But uh, yeah. yeah, well, it's funny because that's my girl. Like I I love Peyton. She's been yeah. so I get good it. to us. I get track it. I get over it. the years. And of everyone I've set on my list so far, Collins, Baptiste, Parks, Kruger, Navarro, and now Stearns, I actually feel more confident in Peyton's serve-forehand combination sustaining and just being effective moving forward and the consistency with which she shows that combination. I feel better about that than anything else of any of the players I've discussed so far or any of the players I left in my honorable mention, except for maybe Amanda Anisimova, who just – Hell hath scorned me, so I'm going to leave her off for now. Peyton, talk about Nisimova quickly. Uh, sure, go for it. Because she's not on my list either, and I thought about her, and I she's not real mention for me, and just yeah, someone again who, if you told me she was number one at the end of the year and won the U.S. Open, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I can see that, absolutely. But this is the thing with this American women's group, like they're they're such, and women's tennis maybe more writ large, and the Americans are kind of low key chaotic in their own way they don't get talked about this way but they are certainly well one of them does we'll get to her in a bit but um yeah there's a huge huge range of uh, possibilities for so many of these women for brady for stevens for collins for anisimova for parks for you know there's so many where the ceiling is so high and the floor is so low cannon even though they're on this group like who knows like what they're going to be and it's it's fascinating it makes this whole exercise feel kind of futile at times but it's uh it's yeah there's there's andy samova glad she's back i'm very interested to hear from her this year 
uh, yeah. I do enjoy this exercise though because you can make a positive case for so many American women. Oh and, yeah. Like you're not you're not you know put, tying yourself in knots or contorting to try and make the argument for Peyton Stearns to be top fifty because I do think her surf forehand combination just straight up surface value that good and she's someone who made three quarterfinals at the tour level last season and you know two of them came on clay for what it's worth third round french open fourth round u.s open now that those are significant chunks of points obviously for her to have to defend but outside of those two big runs and a bogota final like everything else happened at the itf level and given her ranking she's going to have the opportunity to play um just more tour-level events start to finish this year. She's going to get into everything she wants to get into, can set her schedule accordingly. I just – at least the first half of the season. It's a better – like, I just think she's a pretty sure thing. I know Peyton Stern's game, and I've watched her more than anyone else on this list because I saw all parts of her two national championships in Texas, mm-hmm. her NCAA singles run uh, to the title there, like – I've been there for the rise of Stearns. I've also just seen her continue to improve every season I've watched her play. This is someone I know is going to maximize her talent. I'm going to bet on her at five. Can I say one last thing just to finish closely on Stevens? Yeah. Stevens has made the, I just looked it up, made the second week of the French French, Open nine times, times, nine times, uh, I'll bet three times, nine times times in 12 appearances. That's so good. That's really good. For it someone is. who's not known for consistency, yeah. she brings it every time. No, she just, I mean, a lot of fourth round losses, but still. It must so. be an affinity for France. That feels like a question for you. She to loves ask red clay. She likes her. France. She's happy yeah, there. That's, that's and good. so much of it, so much of it with with her is just is is down to mood and vibes, honestly, that's and motivation, true. and how she wakes up in, on a given day. Now Ben, as she would say, it's, um, it's true. But yeah, no, it's it's fair. No, she would say, no, no, we're not doing this, and she would get up, and yeah, she would say like, goodbye. <laughs> no, she'd say Ben, and she'd give you the long Ben, because um, I feel like that's how she says your name always. It's always Ben, um, which is again, you guys do have a great relationship. Anyways, by the way, like it really hurt not to put Anissa over. I just don't know when we're gonna see Amanda, and until I know when we're gonna see her, that's why she's excluded from my list. She's today. playing Auckland. Oh, really? You didn't know that she's playing Auckland. She's Ooh. back. Oh, she's back, baby. She's she's in Auckland. Oh, she's in New Zealand. Ooh. She is. She is. She has oh, gotten uh, on a plane. The plane Ooh. has landed. <laughs> Am I gonna knock out Danielle Collins and make another Mickelson-like adjustment here? You can no, do I'm it. only gonna do it on one day. I feel fine with my list, but no, I don't feel fine with my list. <sighs> You know, like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it, Ben. I'm Can I say one more it. thing? How much trickier would this would this whole exercise have been had Naomi Osaka, as she considered, picked the United States? Yeah. Because she could be in the top 10 Americans. Where would we put her? I don't know. That's Tricky. a great question. Probably right around four or three as we get to where we are now on our list. Yeah. And again, I'm going to guess we have the same four names. Ah! Do we have the same four names? I'm just trying to think of who yeah, we, do, we, we do, have. Yeah, we do. We do. We have to. We have okay, to. Okay. Pagula, Goff, Ken, and Keys in some order, right? Those are the four yeah. names remaining. What order do you have them in? Let's start with number four. Number four, I have Madison Keys. Okay, as do I. So we do have some overlap here. Make the case. Look, I mean, she had a great year. and Arguably I... her best. No, but I do think that no, <laughs> no, I don't but know. I think the ceiling her, was higher her, this her, past if she season. Had, if she had won that U.S. Open semifinal, I, could, I would listen to that argument. But I, that was one of the most heartbreaking results of the year. Sure. My main question for her is how she recovers from that loss. Honestly, she did not win a match the rest of the year, as I, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, that was so close. She was playing so well, and to have Sabalenka prove herself as number one. That's when Sabalenka, I know not technically earned it, but for me, that's when she really showed I am a worthy number one. 
And uh, yeah, it was uh, an unreal match for her. She also made a quarterfinal at Wimbledon, which is not nearly as impressive, but the U.S. Open form was unreal. I have her slipping slightly probably from she's at 12 in the rankings now. I don't know if she'll be up that high. But I would, yeah, I would love to see her make another slam final. I would love to see her catch a lightning in a bottle again. And the reason I don't have her higher is because I don't know what the toll of that of that U.S. Open will be. So I think that she should be somewhere in top 25. Um, that's the thing for all the U.S. for all the Americans packing into the top 100 here. I don't know how many are going to be top 25, honestly. Um, but but Keys, yeah, I have right around there. We know her. We know she's a very known quantity as well. It's still amazing. She's only 28 because she's mm. been around forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's a. Uh, Hope, wish, hoping the best for her. I don't like that you say only 28 because she's like eight months older than me. Um, And so it's like a young... No, but she's been on tour. She's been playing tour since her 2011. First, her first season where she played over 20 matches was 2013. Like it's been a full decade plus of matches. Do you remember reading about who she who she came back from 1-5 down in the third set against in uh, 2016 US Open? But you wrote the article, right? I wrote the chapter, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I like to hear. Um, yeah. Osaka, I believe the name is Naomi Osaka. Um, because again, you can pick up the book, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here we go. Ben Rothenberg here joining us, 1270XYT. Anyways, uh, if we're just running back bits, Ben. Uh, but, you know, I dis- like again, the argument is that her highs were higher in 2023 than ever before. Like, I do think her best tennis was better last season than it had ever been. Now, obviously, start to finish, she was better in 2016, where she did go 47 and 18. And just, again, was a bigger part maybe of the lives, match in, match out. But 33 and 16 last year, that's the second highest win total she's ever racked up in a single WTA season. And she had a career-high break percentage, 38.2. There were times, again, the Pagula match. Honestly, Von Drusovum, like... She was really good at moments of 2020, like top five good in 2023. Has brought Bjorn Fertangelo into the coaching situation. All things we discussed when we gave the report card as well of where she's at in life moving forward and what priorities are going to be for Madison Keys moving forward. Because again, she's someone who's talked openly about other interests outside the court. She's never really been a, a Tennessee tenniser, if that makes sense, right? Like living the life in, I feel like she's not going home and watching film or going home and watching the matches. She's able to put yeah. one thing in one category, the other in the other. Like, again, she's not going to Clara toss in you and be like, Oh, of course the- I remember the 2016 match very well when Naomi missed the forehand wide or whatever it may be. And so like, that's where, Oh, by the way, now that you say that, like, yes, you're running back. And now I distinctly remember the line in the book where she says after the win and you write, she mouths to her box, fuck yeah, or whatever it is. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, that was a good piece That's of like writing. That's like maybe the one cursing in the book. There's not yeah, a exactly. cursing in the book, which is a shame. I think books should have profanity wherever possible, but Naomi just doesn't lend herself to much. Could have put a quack sound effect instead of the profanity, just like in parentheses for the book so that people know what they're doing. Um <laughs> Rock, I got crack, no, crack, quack sound, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I got no problem with her at number four because, again, I just think when she plays well, her best is still top ten in the world. We mentioned Bjorn, and I think that is actually a huge – assuming that partnership in, in the, on the court lasts, mm-hmm. that is so huge for her because that has been one of the biggest obstacles in her career is that she has had a hard time sticking with a coach. I mean, she's gone through a lot of coaches. It's been kind of a revolving door for her, and which I know is a sore subject for her, but it's just factual – at this point with how many people she's gone through in that role. And she, uh, you know, has has not always been the easiest person to coach. There's been things in her game that have been stubbornly not improving, like footwork, basically. You know, throughout her career, for how good she's been for so long, she has kind of hit a bit of a ceiling. And if, if Bjorn is the right voice in her ear and the right person she trusts and, and loves, obviously, that they can get things together and 
and buck back up for Australia, she can win the Australian Open. I mean, she is that good. She, you know, her best, again, if everyone's at their best, is she the best in this list? Very possibly. Like, is she the best, you know, is she a top five? If everyone is peaking, she's a top five in the world is peaking. She's probably a top five player in the world. So the the highs are high. And yeah, it's just, it's, she's classic, classic American kind of up and down. One person in this list, I don't think is that, but but it, Jess it, is, but sorry, but Madison is. Yeah, I got no problems with it. We're going to overlap more than I thought then. I'm imagining you have Kenan at three as well, which is where I have her. I do have Kenan at three, yes. Okay, are you ready and for her to become a top 20 player again? She seems ready. I mean, yeah. look, like the the win she had, I mean, she had wins over Sabalenka and Goff at big tournaments this year, you know, and she did well and just built up the ranking and steadiness. That said, she is still... As far I don't I don't know the situations of her personal life right now. I don't know how stable everything is. And she could I consider, you know, there's a case for dropping her outside the top ten. Mm-hmm. But she because of that, because of that uncertainty, because of a little bit of the health issues, of more of just sort of the the chaos around her, a lot of which has not been reported, and a lot of which is, you know, still her story to tell someday, probably, if she ever wants to. Sure. Um it's a third but the game is down but the road. The, yeah, honestly, but the but the but the game is there and and yeah, it's, it'd be interesting to see how how she reacts to it and how she, because she's not someone who anyone will want to play. I mean, she just beat, you know, it was an EXO, but she just beat Sablenka pretty handily in, in Abu Dhabi. Hmm. So she's there. You know, she has that kind of alpha energy and she could be number one American mm-hmm. easily next year. There's a scenario where she gets to be top five again and she is ahead of Goff and Pagula, who I, I know are remaining too. So she she could she could do it. She... The upside is there. The game is there. It's just a question of like things staying on the on the rails. I got no problem with it. You look for her from Wimbledon onwards, fifteen and seven down the season's home stretch. Wins over Goff, Ostapenko, Kalinina, a Fernandez who was playing really well at the end of twenty twenty three. Went over Potapova. Went over Kudermetova. That's a top twenty five player, folks. Maybe even better than that. And her ability to strike a tennis ball has never been in question. So Sonia Kennan can do anything she wants to do with a racket in her hand to the tennis ball. Drop shot, lob, short angle, drive down the line. Like, is she the most fleet of foot? No, no one's ever gonna accuse her of that. But she's not slow. And like again, she seems to be progressing physically, looked better and better with every tournament down the season's home stretch. Now, to your point, like there are some vacillations after these last few years. How can you say it's the sure thing? And it is worth noting, she's 25 years old. Like, she is a little bit older than some of the younger players we've discussed rising back, uh, rising up the ranks so far on our list. She's not in that young generation yet. She's not in that starting yeah, generation no, at all. No, no exactly. She is should be in the prime of her career. She should be at the peaks of her power. She's 25 freaking years old. It's been a weird journey. A two-time slam finalist, a slam champion, someone who was ranked as high as four in the world. I have no problem putting her at three. Again, I'm betting on her tennis. I'm betting on the the stability of her level we saw down the season's home stretch because that's never been the issue for her. All right, top two. What's your order? Pagula Goff or Goff Pagula? I go to you first, Ben Rothenberg. Right, number two? Yeah, who's your what, two? What name am I saying here? My number two is Coco Goff. Oh, so we agree on our top four exactly, Ben. Yeah, that is, yeah. Wow, that was a pivot. That is, which given given. Yeah. But look, I think I think not unlike the men, right? Where the men was kind of this like the top five is pretty clear, and then everything else. I think for the women, the top four is pretty clear, and then everything else. And yeah. both of us picking Pagula over Goff is interesting. I just basically because obviously it's a bit of a reversal from this year. Pagula is just so solid, and mm-hmm. Goff has a lot of points to defend. Obviously, U.S. Open uh, 
title, uh, you know, and that great summer that she had winning, winning Cincinnati Cincy. and Washington as well. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a coin flip. Honestly, I can make a case for either. I don't feel super strongly about Pagula over golf, but Pagula just such a pro so steady. If she stays healthy, which has been this remarkable thing that she's done for the last few years, playing this much singles and doubles, and they are cutting back on the doubles together this year, uh, which is which is wise. Uh, but yeah, if they if she stays healthy, Pagula is just so solid and so bankable and someone I watch and I just am calm and I just trust her out there in a way that really only in the women's game mm-hmm. that only Shvantec inspires besides yeah. Pagula for me. Is that I watch her and I'm like, okay, I know you're going to be good. I know what you're going to do. It's going to be pretty good. Rabakina a little bit has that too. Sevlanka does not have that. Sevlanka is a chaotic player for me still, even as a great player. Uh, Goff still does not have that for me too, where I don't think she's going to be so bankable day in, day out. But Bagula has it. She's my number one. And Goff, yeah, like not far off. Uh, I hope that, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Goff does with her new coaching arrangement without uh, Pera Reba, who was, I think, a big part of her her turnaround last summer. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm interested. I'm, it'll be fun to watch both of these women. And I, you know, they could play each other more. They could be a bit more of a rivalry, honestly, even though the doubles partners is not going to be a heated rivalry, can't imagine. But these two battling for the top spot is a potentially compelling pairing and potential storyline uh, in American women's tennis. They're very and who knows? Maybe someone like a Cannon comes in there and, and, and throws her hat in the ring as well, meaningfully for number one American. It could happen. They're, but I think right now these are the safe top two picks. They're very clearly top ten players. I agree. Why I have Pagula number one is I know who she is week in, week out. Like this is just exactly. go three straight years over sixty six percent win percentage, three straight years over seventy one point six hold percentage and with it between seventy one point six and seventy two point six break percentage. Again, she has been a top ten returner the last three seasons. Yeah, like I know who she is, and she still hasn't had the massive slam results on top of everything else. You do actually feel like there's even a little upside still to tap into from a rankings perspective as well. I don't know if Goff lost a bad match last season, like especially if you're going to say that Sonya Kennan Wimbledon lost aged pretty well. What's the bad loss? Like, certainly didn't have one all summer. Bedosa Madrid. She was awful. Okay. She was awful in that match. But like, I know Bedosa was like a known quantity, but but just if you watch that match. She the lows were low for yeah. for golf at p- certain points, which made her her surge in the second half of the year that much better because when the forehand was really breaking down, when everything was not going her way, it was shaky for Coco Golf, and she deserves credit for riding the ship, and her team deserves credit for riding that ship. And as much as it looks, you can look at this nineteen year old slam champ and think everything's gone her way. It's been easy. It has not. There were some some definite turbulence and some definite choppy waters, whatever analogy you want to use along the way. Uh, for golf and that she yeah that she landed so well is, is really impressive but yeah certainly that that madrid match i remember so clearly it was just kind of like it was it was uncomfortable to watch mm-hmm. how exposed and how 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 flawed she looked out there bluntly uh, we don't have to debate that uh at this point i'll say this though <laughs> 40 and 9 overall yeah i'm just you know what this is this is, these are not the drones you're looking for, Alex. Uh, so I just gave myself a little Obi-Wan Kenobi of I, I'm not going to die on this hill. That's fine with me. Like, that's fine. 49 okay. overall on hard courts. She won at least one match. Like, no first round losses on hard courts last year. She that's won great. at least two matches at every hard court event, except for Doha and Miami, where she lost to Potapova in three, Kudermatova in three, respectively. And again, those aren't great losses, but those aren't like panic siren alarms in my opinion fire alarm losses it's like I just think there's going to be a little bit of regression there and even if that regression means going from three to seven like 
then okay. Like I, I just think they're both top 10 players. I feel I know a little bit more. I, Jessica Pagula doesn't have a weakness. Jessica Pagula is good at everything. Forehand, backhand, serve, volley, movement, etc. Coco Goff still has that forehand. Coco Goff still has something to scheme towards if you are one of her opponents. And again, I've given her the benefit of the doubt. I think she's absolutely going to be a top 10 player. I don't think we're going to get Coco Goff slam number two in 2024. I actually think we're going to get an Iga revenge tour. Like, I actually think if there's any year Iga's going to sweep all four slams, this is the year to do it because the Sabalenka thing is fresh. And, like, I just feel like the way everyone in the 2022 to 23 offseason did the Iga drill, where it's just, like, hit the ball as hard as freakingly possible for 30 minutes straight because you have to hit the ball. you got to just take the ball off of her racket. This offseason was Iga's time to adjust to the Iga drill. And I'm just like, I'm fascinated. I guess, again, it's very, very short-term bias. I watched her against Haddad Maya last night, and I was like, Jesus! Like, oh no! Like, it's another gear to Iga, which I just don't think the world is ready for, but certainly I'm ready to enjoy because hashtag not eliminated from the GOAT discussion. That's Iga Shviantek right now. Wow. You know my running bit, right? I've told this to you before. 99.999% of players are eliminated from the GOAT discussion by the time they're 18. To her credit, Iga Shviantek, not eliminated from the GOAT discussion yet. It's her, you know, Serena That's on the cool. men's side. I say the same thing. It's Djokovic and Alcaraz now because it's like, I can't eliminate Alcaraz yet. It's still in the realm where maybe he wins two slams a year for the next decade. And then all of a sudden, things get a little bit closer between him and Novak. Anyways, the way I've eliminated Rafa and Federer, where it's like, I know they're not going to be the GOAT. So right now it's between Djokovic and Elkaraz, who still has a long way to go. Anyways, that's a bit aside. Yeah, Pagula Goff won two, but they're both going to be top eight players. Like, I expect to see them both at another tour finals next season. And again, they are the... And who knows where that'll be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amen. And that is the... Maybe back in Fort Worth, since we've got two of them. But that will be the cherry on top of what I expect to be, again, a really fun American women's tennis season. And just quickly, my honorable mentions... Townsend, Stevens, Claire Liu, Bernarda Pera, Caroline Dalahide, who we didn't mention, but what a massive result in Mexico. She's top 50 in the world. She's top well, 10. Can we talk about why we both, I wanted to mention that. Why do we both drop Dalahide? She's number six. We didn't talk about her. I need to see it. Like uh, her serve, her four. One result. It's also explosive. one result. It's one yeah. result that got her there. Yeah. And it was perfect conditions, elevation for her ball to explode. Like I'm a big yeah. believer in Caroline Dalahide. I always have been. She's a top 50 doubles player. Like it's clear she could hit the ball very, very well. I just want to see it for a full year and finally going to get the opportunity to see her play at the tour level. So Dalahide, yeah. then the other ones, Davis, Volinets, McNally, Rogers, Lee, Brady, Anisimova. Didn't mention Kayla Day. We probably should have another. I thought you put Anisimova in your at 10. No, I I, I stayed Collins. I'm going to integrity. Kayla Day, Amina Bechtis, uh, and then three fun ones that were my wild cards. Elizabeth Mandlick, whose game I kind of like. Claire V. Gunaway, Junior Wimbledon champion. Oh, sweet baby Rays. Talk about someone who might be one of the 10 best servers already uh, in the world. Like, Mm -hmm. it's that good. And then the last one was just a college shout out. If you watched Maddie Sieg, who's a freshman at USC last year, recently turned pro, play it all, size, speed, weapons, skill set, she's going to be a top 100 player when, not if, in my mind. I'm not quite there yet with her, but just like if she makes a little bit of a jump and by the end of the year maybe wins a wild card into the U.S. Open, I just don't, it wouldn't shock me at all. So those are my honorable mentions. But Ben Rothenberg, the final words on 2024 American Women's Tennis belong to you. The only name I think in my, my – I have a couple mentions, uh, Anisimova, Kruger, Mandelik, Montgomery. I don't know if we talk about Montgomery. It's someone I had my, sure. at my, my number 10 last year. 
I, I believe so much in her game. She's local DC person as well in the tank for her there. She's only 19, but the big lefty had served. Like there's no reason she can and there's no reason she can't be, in my mind, you know, WTA Ben Shelton, just game wise. Like that's the kind of upside I imagine for her. And and obviously I know people there are so high on her. Francis Tiafo is a huge Brown Montgomery stan. Uh I, I hope that she can deliver that. And I yes, yeah, Stearns and Baptiste, my other two not uh, honorable mentions. I yeah. I think it's a great crop. I think it's an interesting list. I think it's a uh, a lot of variables, a lot of sort of high risk, high reward stocks here and looking forward to seeing how it all shakes out. It is going to be a fun season. And again, we will be back next year to recap and reflect on how we did talk about, I'm sure, a couple of swings and misses on this list, mostly Ben's side, because uh, as you all know, I'm ready for the comeback tour here. But you know what else I'm ready for? And we're going to plug it one last time because you've been so kind with your time, the release of your book. Now, I've been fortunate enough to read all 450 plus pages, but most of you listeners have not. So again, if you haven't already, Naomi Osaka, her journey to finding her power and her voice available 10 days from now, but already available for pre-order wherever it is you order your book so be sure to check that out you can hear ben of course no challenges remaining which i imagine by the way it's probably picking up this year right now that you're back on the tour grind and you're australia bound what can we expect from you content wise my friend yeah and so we'll be back certainly in january on the ground in australia and doing i don't know if daily shows from australia from the open but certainly hopefully close to it doing a lot of book stuff there i'm not doing daily newspaper stuff from uh, that slam so we'll be interested to see what i'll be able to do and cr wise uh it should be fun and yeah looking forward to at least in january getting back in touch with uh the tour because like i said i've been i've been off i've, I've uh, the game and you know coming up with my protected ranking uh in <laughs> into australia me and me and uh jem brady yeah. And yeah, looking forward to to doing it. Well, we look forward to having you back in our lives. And obviously, it is always fun to get to do this exercise with you to end the year. So Ben Rothenberg, Happy New Year to you, my brother. And I look forward to having you on the podcast in the near future. Go Blue. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with author, podcaster, and our dear friend here at Cracked Rackets, Ben Rothenberg, who was so generous with his time to end 2023. Again, I think I've spent four hours over the last three days podcasting with Ben, and I didn't pay him a single cent. So that's a testament to, again, his passion, his love for the game. And again, it's a, pa- a testament to his kindness as well, to be willing to share his time with us. It's always immensely appreciated. That's why, again, one last time, if you haven't already, I will implore all of you, go order your copy of Naomi Osaka, her journey to finding her power and her voice today. I promise it is a read all of you tennis fans will enjoy. With that said, here's another promise. We are going to have at least one more podcast in this 2023 calendar year. What that topic will be tomorrow, your guess is as good as mine. I got 24 hours to come up with it. In the meantime, appreciate all of you listeners who have tuned in day in, day out. If you need more content over the course of New Year's weekend, be sure to go check out the Great Shot podcast feed. Be sure to go check out the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in day out making all of our content possible a shout out as well to our dear friends at tennis point remember it's tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world with that said though for our fantastic super producer daniel westoff our friends at tennis point from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say that's the break and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone